Welcome to another episode of Pod for Good, a podcast where we learn from those doing good in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and the world, why they care, what we can do, and most importantly, what you, the listeners, can do. Pod for Good is produced and edited by Random Productions, which is me. So if you like how we sound and are thinking about starting a podcast, reach out to me. I am easy to find. Pod for Good can be found anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you enjoy what we do here, please make sure to subscribe, share this episode on social media, and for the love of all that is holy, leave a review. Seriously, people, we still have five. Anyway, I am your chief philanthropod and class clown for justice, Election Day, Jesse Ulrich. And I'm your vice admiral philanthropod and class clown for justice, seven of nine, Chris Miller. Nice. In this episode, we're talking with Ariel Davis. We talked to Ariel about what it means to be a self-discovery and self-development specialist, why companies are afraid to ask the right questions, and why she prefers my voice to Jesse's. Also how she'll become the Beyonce of public speakers. So we look forward to that. Enjoy this awesome conversation. We are very excited to have Ariel Davis back on the podcast. How you doing? Oh, wait, no one can see me. Why am I waving, right? This is That's all right. Gonna be audio. Listen, for our audience, she waved at us. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And we appreciate it. Yeah. So it was nice. For, I, uh, visual confirmation. I am good. I am pod for good. I am nervous, but I'm excited. Listen, you you do not need to be nervous. We are not scary in any way. I mean, I'm definitely a beta male. I don't know where Chris falls on the scale, but like I'm not threatening in any in any way. So Jesse, uh, you forgot that. your boxing now. You're... That's true. That's true. I could theoretically throw a punch, maybe. There you go. Uh, and then be have winded. Have you thrown one? I mean, I, Chris and I have hit each other, like while wearing like you know the big pad things. So and it's exhausting. So yeah, uh, feels good though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have always wanted to try boxing because someone told me that it gives you abs. Have you found that to be true? I mean, not yet, but we both have a little ways <laughs> to go. To um, see, there's probably abs there. We just can't see here, them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I've seen some of the people, some of the coaches and other people that train there a lot. And a lot of them do have abs. So maybe. Yeah. If you were okay. already sort of like skinnier to start with, you could probably see the abs a lot quicker than Chris and I. But <laughs> it is very cathartic. I will give it that. It is the, That's it is true. the exercise that makes me feel better afterwards mm-hmm. the most. Because I got to yeah. hit something really hard for a while. And mm-hmm. uh you need that. It gets you out of your brain too. If if I have to get punched in the face in order to get abs for the first time in my life, I'm willing to do it. So just let me know if it works. Yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. And again, it's mostly like um, like hitting a you know the he- a heavy bag or the speed bag. You're, very rarely do we actually end up hitting another person. And even if we do, it's usually like in the stomach, and the person's wearing a pad that we're hitting. So, and we're uh, so doing this. The engine it's room. The, uh, yeah, the engine room. Yeah, just uh, just south of. I guess we're supposed to call that area area Gunboat Park, but I don't know that more than a half a percent of Tulsa would have any idea what that means. Did they this, used to make gunboats there? Is that what it's called? I thought I don't it was based know. on the shape. I thought it was because it's shaped. It's shaped like a gunboat. How would anyone be able what to know a that? Gunboat. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's where like the leadership Tulsa's new facility is. It's like just so, like, south of uh the home depot and 
Maz, well, I don't think the Mazios no, no. anymore. R.I.P. Mazios. Yeah. The tra- um, near the traffic near the traffic circle yeah. south downtown. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, Chris, what you're saying is from like if we looked at Google Maps at Gunboat Park, it would look like a gunboat. Which is so really it has the boat. general shape of a boat. I I don't know why they chose gunboat, but well, yes, Oklahoma. That's probably why. Right. So oh, of course they couldn't call it Peace Boat Park. <laughs> Good Education Boat Park or. Uh, all right so self-actualization well, was... boat park yes i like that one i mean we're not going to do it collectively as a city but yeah it's aspirational that's right that's right so okay so last time we had you on you were uh the co-host of focus black oklahoma and that was like three years ago now that interview um maybe early in the lockdown i'm trying to remember but yes well maybe yes. i mean i don't know what is time i feel like i realized Indeed. it didn't exist during the pandemic i was like oh this really is just like a construct created by humans i don't know what day it is right now but somewhere in like the beginning or middle of the pandemic what are we, we were still as middle is that 2021 Oof. i do we have we hit the middle do we yeah, do we have a middle i mean we have <laughs> monkeypox now so this is gonna go on forever uh. Which yeah, I'm we'll say 2021 is the, the middle. That yeah, sounds good. Sure. 2021 middle. Sure. So yeah. then at the beginning, we did this at the beginning. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, uh, a decade from now, historians will write the, you know, chronology of the COVID pandemic, and then we'll be able to know what the middle of it was, because uh, you can only have a middle when you have an end. So yeah, we don't have So one. maybe we're the middle of the beginning. Mm. I don't think it's going to have an end, though. I think, like, the flu didn't have an end. That's true. It's true. I feel like flu. when we when we found out that the flu right now is is still the Spanish flu. It blew my mind. That blew my mind. Yeah, it's like so. I didn't the know thing until just now, today yeah. years old. I found it out from. I think Jesse brought it up on a podcast. That was I how did, I figured out. I learned it. about it. Yeah, because I was I was reading up on other pandemics, and people were like, "Yeah, the hum- United States did the exact same thing with COVID that we did with the influenza pandemic, which was." celebrate early that it was over thus leading to a uh a different strand which then led to a different one to a different one which led to the flu shots we have today which is why they're only like you know every year the effectiveness of them changes because the strand keeps changing because we can't get rid of it so so thanks old people for teaching us nothing (laughs) yeah um like the one woman who had both the influenza and COVID and live through both. I'm like, well, good for her, I guess, but she should have had to have either. So I don't know why we're celebrating this CNN. All right. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I had an early morning meeting, so I'm going to be feisty today. Uh, So transitioning back to our guest, let's talk about her and her journey. Not, yeah, this uh, went off the rails real early on. It did. Really well, quick. Well, we were very reserved and like polite to Dr. Crutcher because neither Chris or I had like a relationship with her beforehand. So like the interview started off very like not stilted, but like we were like we were feeling each other out. But we know you too well, and that's what leads to you know six minute long tangents about uh, the influenza pandemic of 1918. So well, I mean, I'm just meeting Ariel. Last time Matt, I believe, interviewed. That's her. right. Matt Gleason. <laughs> R.I.P. 
if you're a friend of the pod, hopefully still alive, Matthew. <laughs> um, Matthew, again, the comments, if you're still with us. Um, <laughs> he is, as far as I know. Anyway, between then and now, whenever that was, our last conversation, you yeah. are now in business for yourself. And I am. I'm very excited to hear about this business because it's, it's a lot of things I did multiple times when I was unemployed, which was like, asking myself questions and thinking about what gives me joy and what I'm sort of ignoring about my own strengths and weaknesses and whatnot. And so I, I'm interested for you to examine us on this podcast today. So, Oh, I'm totally down. What would we like to dig into? Ooh, let's, let's really dig into Matt's history. (laughs) What's great is our audiences have no idea why we keep bringing up Matt and I'm not going to tell you. So, but so what, why, why this? Um, I think a few things. So first of all, it's really not like a far stretch from what I did before when we talked, right? I was a radio journalist, a co-host, but during that time, as much as I love doing that work and I love like, you know, tearing down systems that tear down communities and people I realized that I wasn't very happy focusing on external power. I just wasn't like it wasn't fulfilling me. I wasn't happy doing it. Like I did get some reward from being like, okay, like we shared this story. People are aware of it. But me, like what my passions are and my values are, are really about introspection and people finding their own personal happiness and personal success. And I feel like that can be really, really hard to do when you're focused on all of these external things. And so I decided to make a shift. So having um, worked for quite a few years in a corporate environment, one of the big focuses they try to tackle to varying degrees of success is what they call employee engagement, how engaged and effective employees are. And there are all kinds of statistics about how disengaged employees um, not only are they not productive, but they actually make other employees less productive because of the fact that they're not happy, they're not connected and things like that. So it sounds like what you're talking about helps tackle some of those issues. And specifically, you talk about um, why questions are more important to success than answers. Can you explain that? Yeah, for sure. So um, just a little bit of background about me. Uh, I am the daughter of a former non-denominational Christian pastor. And so that influenced a lot of my socialization. So church was really like a place. I know it's not like this in the Jewish faith, but in the Christian faith, church is not really a place where questions are necessarily celebrated. Um, Yeah, they're just not like you are expected to accept the answers that you're given and then just regurgitate them. Um, And that never really worked for me. It didn't really help me find solutions to my life that worked for me. So that caused me to sort of transition out of that faith. But what I realized later on is that's not necessarily unique to church, that experience. Like if you've worked in nonprofits, I'm sure both of you know this, when you question the status quo or the way things are done, It's not really welcome. It's seen as sort of an attack. Um, And typically organizations don't ask their, the people that are working for them questions. But I think if they did, what I've learned in my consulting work is like a lot of the times the people that are actually on your staff 
have really innovative and creative ideas for how to make the organization better. It's just that they're not being asked. They're being taught a process that most of them know isn't really working because they're the ones actually executing the work. But when they question things, it's seen as more of like a questioning somebody's ability to lead or something like that. And that leads to the mission not moving forward. It leads to disengaged employees. Um, And then I think similarly, just on a personal level, individuals shy away from asking themselves questions. They go to an outside source to help them find answers that will help them be more successful when really if they just spent more time in introspection, they would learn that the answers that they seek are already inside of them. That's you, you repeated something I used to say about consultants all the time. I'm like, you could have saved yourself money and just asked us your employees <laughs> of what could make things better. And, you know, we could have saved you money, but no, like you don't, tr- <laughs> you don't trust us. You need it from a third party. Kind of like when your significant other tells you something and you like, don't listen to it. But then like a stranger on the street tells you something. You're like, hey, the stranger on the street, the street told me something. <laughs> I'm completely guilty of that. Risha says that all the time. She's just like, I've been, I've been telling you this for the last six months, and I'm just like, but you don't know anything about me. <laughs> wow, wow. I'm that ridiculous of a partner sometimes. <laughs> wow, you don't wow. know anything about me. Oh man, yeah. those fights mm-hmm. must be fantastic. <laughs> That's great. Do so, yeah. do you then do a debrief where you like introspect on yourselves post fight? Oh my god, I feel like. For me, honestly, it's at this point, it's second nature. I don't know how not to do it. Like, and I'm sure there are a lot of people who feel this way. Like, I think a lot of us are naturally introspective. Some of us aren't, but I'm sure there are many people listening to this who are just like, oh my God, I replay conversations and what I said all the time in my head. I think the key to that is making that introspection useful and actually taking some sort of action. If what you find is like, man, I really didn't. I didn't say that the way I wanted to say it, or that didn't come out the way I wanted it to come out. And just saying, what can I do differently? That's when it becomes useful. Otherwise, like, you'll be like me. I was sitting around for years, just contemplating my life to the point of depression. Like, that's just what I did for fun. Um, So I think there's a way to make introspection meaningful in organizations and, and personally. And I think that it's something that can actually be taught as a skill. I don't think we think of introspection as a skill, but I think it is. And I think if we teach it to ourselves and the people that are moving our organization's mission forward, then all of a sudden you will have happier, more productive employees who know how to take that skill that they learned at work and also apply it to their personal lives. So they're happier at home and in the office. And so are you aiming this more towards sort of businesses versus like, you know, one-on-one situations? It's actually for both. So I will primarily be doing keynote speeches for companies, but I have a process that every single person in the audience, if they ask themselves this one question, and I won't, I won't share what it is because I got to get paid for this. Um, <laughs> but if every single person just starts with this one question, they will be able to identify a starting point to move towards a more happy and successful life. Now, it can apply to individuals who are maybe just like, oh, I need to make a change in my relationship or I'm not happy with the relationship I have with my body or I hate my effing job or whatever. It could be a manager who is thinking about how they lead their team and if their style needs to be adjusted. It could be a company who has 86% white employees. Like It could be any of those things, but the process can apply to anybody at any level and help them identify a starting point for change. 
So you're um, actually teaching this process and and training the skill of introspection and how it can be applied. Yes. Yes. And also teaching how to make it useful and not that contemplating your life or your company or your lack of leadership ability to the point of self-detriment where you just give up and walk away. You know, there are a few other skills that you have to have, like courage and compassion and curiosity that you absolutely need before you can go on that, you know, self-exploration as a company or just an individual or a manager. Um, Those are some of the tools that you're going to need along the way. And so I teach you how to use those tools to sustain you while you're trying to, you know, figure out what it is that's actually going to make you happy or make you feel like you're living a life or leading a team in a way that you're proud of. I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. So like, what is the, what's the like biggest or most, like the number one lie people tell themselves? I think it's that they need somebody else to help them figure out their shit. (laughs) Like, I really think it's that they think that they're incapable of finding their own way and that they need some sort of outside source to lead them to an answer that already exists. They just don't know how to dig for it. Um, And I second to that, I would say they tell themselves just because they've not been successful in some area that they can't change it because they haven't been able to change it in the past. And it's just not true. It sounds like a big piece of what people need to really get value of this is being based, being willing to be vulnerable, right? Whether it's the manager trying to get feedback or the individual looking at themselves or sharing themselves. And for a lot of people that can be difficult to do. So um, how do you help people kind of get through that? Or how do you get through that? Get through the vulnerability piece? Yeah. There's really not an easy there's no training wheels, right? Like you sort of just have to decide. Now, I do think when you have self-compassion, if you've developed that, like one of the things I think people don't focus on enough is self-trust, which is why they're always going to an outside source. Um, Because betting on themselves feels really vulnerable. I think we focus a lot of our time and attention on like building trust with other people. And we give those other people a chance to prove themselves to us. Like we give them opportunities to like show that they're trustworthy. I don't think we do that enough with ourselves. We don't take actions that are new or that are different. We sort of stick to the rivers and lakes that we're used to. Not to just like sing TLC, I'm here, but hey, don't go chasing waterfalls. Um, (laughs) But people tend to do that and it feels really, really safe. So, but I think if you develop that self-compassion you realize that even if you take an action and it leads you to somewhere that you didn't want to end up, it's okay. That's just the part of the journey. That's a part of the process. You really have to develop that skill of focus, of learning to focus on nurturing yourself when you feel wounded, learning to speak kindly to yourself when you tried something new and it didn't work out the way you wanted to. So there's really no training rules for the part of like actually taking the action What helps you do that is you know that if you fall down or if something doesn't work out the way you want to, you've built up the skill of self-compassion to nurture yourself and heal yourself on the other side of that experience. I'm thinking how to ask you a question about asking (laughs) questions. As Chris and I do this every once in a while, and 
you know, Chris and I have gone through training on how to active listen and how to, um, you know, take that information and sort of dig deeper into what people are telling us. But I still, all of the training that I have had on asking questions is always still very vague and does not actually tell you how to take something someone has said and like form another thought that leads to another thought about it. I'm getting real like kind of philosophical here, but <laughs> in, in, you know, in questioning, you know, our own selves and our own reasons why we feel things like in a place where say you you were talking about imposter syndrome before we started recording. I don't know about how Chris feels, but like as a podcaster, I'm going to put that in air quotes for our listeners. As a podcaster, I feel imposter syndrome every time we interview somebody because I still don't feel like I know what I'm doing. And mm -hmm. as the editor of this, I can tell you I don't know what I'm doing. I just make it sound <laughs> like I do. You know, but like how, how do you teach people to ask, sort of ask the right questions? I think for me, this is going to sound very, very backwards. I think it's starting with something negative. Um, I just posted a story on one of my social media channels as I'm trying to build up my social media, shoot me and pray for me all at the same time. Um, <laughs> but one of the things people try to figure out is like, how can I find happiness or how can I be successful? Well, I think you start with the areas where you don't feel successful, right? Like, so for you as a podcaster, who's just like, I feel really inadequate in this area of asking questions. I think you're doing all of the right things by going to um, an outside, not an outside source, but identifying an area where you don't feel as confident or as proud as you want to feel. And let me just be clear. Sometimes that feeling is not going to come. Like, it's just not. I have recently self-reflected enough to the point over my life where I'm kind of like, never going to just feel good enough. Like, I don't think that that's, it's not attainable for me. So, and since I came to that negative, that seemingly negative conclusion, right? I'm probably never going to feel good enough. That's not something that like, you would never pay a therapist or a life coach to be like, you're never going to feel good enough. Give up. Like, you know what I'm saying? You're not going to pay someone to tell you that. But just thinking about my life, and sort of how even when I achieve things, I still have this feeling of not being good enough or not being where I want to be. Because I became aware of that, it made me realize that chasing that feeling is not going to be sustainable for me. So then I have to ask myself, can I chase something else instead that's not associated with the feeling? Can I chase doing the absolute best I can every single time? Um, and so for me, to answer your question, sometimes it's starting with something that doesn't feel very good or feel very positive. Like, I feel like an imposter. Why? You're probably not, and there's, I don't know, but there's probably not going to be a lot that you can do to change that feeling. So then I think the question changes. It's like, okay, what can I do instead? Is there something else that's more attainable that I can reach for that's not a feeling of feeling like I'm good enough to do this? Because you're obviously doing it. I mean, You've got me and I'm about to be like the Beyonce of the speaking world here pretty soon, right? Like, I mean, but you're doing it and you're putting good content out into the world and you're doing it despite feeling like you're not good at it. Um, so can you identify something else, 
right? Like, can you identify something else that you're reaching for that maybe isn't a feeling and it's just more of like my, it could even just be a metric goal if that's what works for you. It could be, well, I, me and Chris want to put out 200 podcasts this year and that could be attainable. But I think letting go of the idea that it's going to feel a certain way is really going to be important to the sustainability. And then I had to ask myself, like, why am I chasing that feeling anyway? What's underneath it? And like, for me, it's peace. Like, I want to be at peace within myself, which I've also let go. <laughs> like, as a dream. <laughs> like, but it's because I've, I've thought through these things and reflected over my life. It's like, is that really attainable? Can I really sustain a feeling for long term? Can anybody do that? No. So what's actually sustainable? What can I, what's sustainable and attainable for me? I don't know if that helped. I feel like that was really long winded. <laughs> no, I thought that was no, really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, uh, you, one, if you ask enough people about imposter syndrome, you realize everybody has it. And if everybody has it, then no one's an imposter, right? Uh, Is that because we're all trying to be something we feel like we're not already though? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, cause like, but you are be, a podcaster. Yeah. I am a podcaster. I am mm -hmm. a podcaster. I'm looking you to the camera to say this. <laughs> well, like, I mean, like you mentioned Beyonce, right? Does Beyonce feel like an imposter? I bet at times she does. Right. Because she, we all have un, the unobtainable goal, like of like what our dream is and dreams are dreams for that exact reason. Like they don't have to deal with the reality of actual life. And so even if you get to that thing, you say you want, it's not going to feel the same way as it did in your dream about it. Right. Exactly. That's why you have to stop chasing the feeling. It's just like, mm -hmm. what am I really going for here? Like, what is it that I'm trying to achieve? If it's peace, like, you know, I've tried to do that with meditation. Like, I'm like, let me try to find some Zen and enlightenment and just meditate and Eckhart Tolle myself into a Zen space. And it's it just I've not been able to do it. So it's like, what can I do instead that is not a feeling but still yields results that I want? Yeah, like, like it's I don't know. At least for me personally, like I am my biggest obstacle into in into succeeding in the thing I want to do. Like for some reason I put off doing the work that I decided to do instead <laughs> of getting a real job. And I'm like, why am I not doing the thing that I said I wanted to do? Like, why am I putting it off? Like just do it. And like sort of rephrasing and reframing the activity for me. I have to do that. You think I only have to do that once, but I have to do it like on a weekly basis. Like I had a really productive day yesterday. I'm like, I could have that every day if I just decided to actually work for like six hours straight. Right. Uh, but I guess not every day works is, that way. And I maybe shouldn't ask you this on the show, but do you enjoy it? Yeah, I do. I do. Like I was just editing a video earlier and like as frustrating as it is, cause it's a new skill that I'm learning. Uh, I'm like, this is cool. Like I, I want to do, I was in a funk for a while. I think that was just most of the pandemic, but like learning how to like make a funny caption show up on a video, like that is new to me. And like, yes, it will take me like an hour when it would take someone who knows what they're doing five minutes and I don't do it enough. So I'm going to have to relearn it next time. It's still fun. And because that's where my income is coming from now, it's okay to spend that hour figuring that out. I shouldn't have to, I shouldn't spend 45 of those minutes trying to find a shortcut to do the thing <laughs> and just do the thing. I have, I can totally relate. I've been there. I decided I hated video editing. So I was like, I've got to let this go and like make enough money to pay somebody else to do it. <laughs> but I think what you're saying is like that very cliche thing of like falling in love with the journey. 
which is like so fucking vague. Like nobody knows how to do that. Like we don't even know how we fall in love with people. Like it just happens. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you just spend time. So I think it's like, eventually you realize like when you, as you're in the thing, just like as you're in it with a person, as you're in the thing that you love doing, you're just like, oh, wow. I just spent for, even if you spend the 45 minutes watching a video teaching you how to do the thing, not everybody is going to spend 45 minutes doing that. I sure as hell am not going to. If it was more than three minutes, I was like, forget it. I don't, it's just not going to happen. Like, I, do, I do fast forward through a lot of them. I'm like, yes, I'm not going to subscribe to your channel. Like, let's get to the thing. Um, I mean, listen, uh, to the YouTubers out there, thank you for like making little chapter marks. Um, of when you're going to get to my thing. Yes. I know that takes away from your views, but I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> I pay for YouTube premium. Hopefully you're getting, you know, less than one cent from that. From Google, so. <laughs> but I think spending time doing the thing, spending time podcasting, spending time video editing me, spending time talking to people and asking them questions. It's the thing that I tend to get lost in. And don't get me wrong. Like it exhausts me. Like, I'm still an introvert, even though I want to do this work. So by the time I get done talking to somebody, I'm just like, I have nothing left. So like, I have nothing left, you know, but the fact that I'm lost in it and can get that exhausted is a huge signal for me that like, I'm on the right track in some way. Chris, do you have a question? Yeah, I was just, uh, I mean, this is one of those things where, um, when you when you when somebody explains it, you're like, why have we not been doing this all along? So why is this missing in most companies? Why? I mean, it seems like a critical need. So, yeah. Why is this type of work missing for most companies? I think. No, not I think I know there's two reasons. The first one is the second one is related to the first one. The first one is fear. I think we don't ask ourselves questions and we don't ask our employees questions and our teams questions. Because we don't want to uncover the answers. Like nobody really wants to deal with like, oh, the problem is actually me. Or, oh, the problem is we actually set this up wrong from the beginning. Like how many times have you gotten knee deep in a project like the foundation is completely like it's bad, but I don't want to start over. So I think people are afraid of what they're going to find. And so they don't want to do the work. It's the same Like when you're in a relationship with somebody, for example, and I use relationships as an example, because it's just, I'm a very relational person. Um, And you're just like, how many people who are miserable together and who are married, have you heard just like, I'm just not starting over with someone else. Like, I'm not, like, I'm not going to do it. Like, they're afraid that like, what if they think about it too much, if they talk to their partner, they're going to find that they're with somebody who is really just not compatible with them or like a toxic person or whatever. So they would rather just not think about it and sweep it under the rug. I think the same is true for companies. Like you don't want to be like, you know, what, what, what am I not proud of about our culture and look around and be like, you know, it looks pretty like, looks pretty white in here. Like let's dig into the numbers and then find out it's 90% white because I think you're like, one, I have a lot of work to do. And then two, the second reason is there's just a lot of shame. There's a lot of shame in not doing something right the first time. Um, and I think in order to avoid those feelings in both organizationally and individually, we try to avoid it by just not thinking about it and being like, you know what, this is the way to do it. This works. And we're going to keep doing it this way instead of being like, something feels off. 
maybe we should dig into it and see what's really going on and fix it. Because then, especially as a leader, you're like, oh, if something's off and something's wrong, then it's my fault. I led us to this place. Everybody's going to be looking at me. All that criticism is going to come to me. And that can feel really heavy and shameful. So I think it's just so much easier for people to just not look into it in the first place. Yeah, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, once again, having worked in the corporate culture for a long time, and even one that is generally positive relative to other places I've worked, there is still a lot of that. And I think uh, hitting on the shame people feel that they weren't doing it right in the first place, I think that's the big piece of it right there. Even if they want to go back, they're afraid to bring it up because they have to admit they were wrong, they did it wrong, or everyone's been doing it wrong for a long time. And, and that's a difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when people yeah. are afraid that it may mean that they lose their job or some of their people lose their job, or even just that they lose some prestige. Mm-hmm. The the brain sees uh, a social attack the same it sees a physical attack chemically speaking reacts Mm -hmm. to it the exact same way we can't tell a difference so so fear is fear to our brain Mm -hmm. so i can certainly understand why that would be difficult to to get through but again like if people were trained to be managers and trained in management they would understand like they have to work through that for the betterment of both their (laughs) job and their company we don't train people how to do that we trained them in the jobs they had. Yeah. And you're good at a thing. You should manage that thing now that yeah, you were so good at it. Sure. You are you our best to... employee. We're going we're gonna to simultaneously get rid of our best employee and make you a manager at the same time. I also think it's just super important to like have a culture of that has a lot of space and permission to grow and learn and critically think. Like, If you're in an organization and nobody is asking any questions, that means nobody is creatively thinking or critically thinking. And at some point, things are going to stall, right? Because even if you like have been rolling, I mean, obviously, like I work for a DEI keynote speaker, we do consulting work, and like a lot of companies have just been rolling along, like, uh, our diversity and inclusion is not looking too good. And then like 2020 and George Floyd happens all of a sudden. It's like, everybody's like, oh my God, like we have to do something. And then they're like, so we get on these calls and they're like, you know, we have a lot of work to do. And this has been a long time coming. And it's just like, you know, if somebody would have stopped <laughs> before that and they would have created this culture of asking questions like, hey, I don't know if anybody has considered this before, but maybe we need more diverse, diverse voices and perspectives or whatever. If somebody would stop and just ask questions and created a culture of just like, are we thinking of everything, right? And giving people the space and permission, including leadership to learn and grow and be transparent about the areas that they don't feel as strong in and allowing them to hire staff around them that can challenge them with, hey, have you thought about it this way? And it's like, no, that's actually, that's not the lens I apply to this. Thank you for bringing that up. We would be so much further. You know, that when you ask questions, it's a disruptor to that avoidance of trying to escape those feelings of like fear of what we might uncover and the shame that might come from it. And then once it's embedded into the culture, it's it's very normal. And you don't expect people to know everything because as people start asking questions, they start coming up with solutions together. 
I'd say it's, it's much harder to delude yourself when you run your own business, right? Because that <laughs> there's nowhere for that delusion. There's no one to agree on that delusion with you. And eventually, like, <laughs> life reminds you that that is incorrect, right? So, which is, I guess, it, which is good, right? Because I, I, you know, I've had jobs where I could blame other people for things if I needed to, if I needed to feel better about myself, right? There's no one else here but me. So, uh, so like on a daily basis, like what is like, say we're, say we're morning people. I'm not a morning person, but say I was, Me neither. I, I wake up like fully cognizant, right? Ready to like, you know, hit the gym, or whatever people do who are morning people. Uh, what, 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 what should be like the first question we ask ourselves? Well, if it's in the morning, I would say the way I've structured my day, what I'm doing today, is it getting me closer or further away to a life that feels successful and happy and fulfilling to me? Is what I've planned for my day, is it getting me closer to that or am I moving further away from it? And if it's in the evening for the evening people, I'm, I'm a night owl. I keep trying to convert to an early bird. It's just like, it's just not like my anxiety won't let me sleep. So I can't do it. <laughs> um, but for the people who are reflecting on their day and their mind turns on at like 10 o'clock at night when they're trying to go to bed, it was the way, I, if the way I spent my day, is it getting me closer or moving me further away to a life that feels happy, fulfilling and successful to me every single day? That's that self-check-in that you need to do. And if you come up with no, then you know you need to make take different actions the next day to do something different. And you may even take those actions and try a new action on, and it may not work out. Like, it's not a seamless process. But eventually, you're going to do something where you're going to wake up and be like, hey, this is getting me closer to where I want to be, or, you know, the opposite. So you brought up anxiety, and I know for a lot of people... Anxiety comes with an intense version of introspective and unhealthy version and unproductive version to, to, you know, to reference what you talked about before. So how do you know when you're go, going from healthy introspective into a more uh, maybe toxic version of that? Yeah, I would say that introspection without action is just torture right? Self-awareness without self-actualization is just torture. And I know these things because I've done them for like a very, very long time. Like, I'm just like, oh my God, I, I hate this thing about my life or myself. And then I just ruminate on all of the reasons like why I hate it. It sucks. And like, just all the things. And then I let that feeling pass and then I ignore it, bury it. And then it just comes up again a new day. So I think healthy introspection and balanced introspection is followed up by some sort of action. I don't even care if that action is like writing down a goal to change it, like just doing something that's different because you can reflect on your life all day long. That's not actions are what are the things that are going to help you build the life you're proud of living and that feel good to you. And sometimes that action requires you getting out of your comfort zone. But if you're just sitting ruminating and like doing nothing besides ruminating, you know, you've, you've gone too far. Been there. Yeah. <laughs> there, there was also usually like drinking alone involved in that part too. It doesn't help. Um, I used uh, to think I was very deep for doing that stuff, by the way, like just sitting and oh, thinking yeah. about my life. I was like, I'm just, I'm just a very deep, like feeling person. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> 
I've always wanted to be in a situation, this is a weird thing to say, but I've always wanted to be one of those people in a movie who just go, like, they're so, like, messed up and depressed or whatever that they go to a bar and just drink shots. Like, it's in every... <laughs> movie that you mean the one the where, the, where they tell the bartender to leave the bottle yeah or like yeah like the bartender's just pouring it into a shot glass and they're taking it and they do it like four or five times i'm like they would be they'd be sloshed after 20 minutes of this but i'm like i want to i want to feel that level of ennui right like at some point uh and next see if i can pull that off at a bar i've never done it uh and i guess it's good i've never gotten that it's never gotten that bad but i'm always like that had to be based on a kernel of truth that some writer had about yeah. how you handle stress. And yeah. it's a terrible way of handling stress because it yeah, never I was gonna say that sounds like well. an unhealthy version of introspection yeah. right there. <laughs> Listen, I, whatever works, right? For yeah, you, you as know a person. It's gonna make this like contemplation of to my my life to the point of depression better if I'm drunk. That's just gonna make <laughs> exactly. everything better if I do it while I'm drunk. I guess it depends on what kind of drunk you are. Like I'm a happy drunk. So um <laughs> If you're a sad drunk, don't do this. Listeners, <laughs> don't do this. Um, so let's say that in 2023, we have you on the podcast again. Hopefully in 2023, both you and this podcast are still going. Uh, what, what would you like to tell us about where you are then versus where you are now? I would like to say that what we talked about here today is a message that is spreading. And the process that I teach people is actually getting results that they're, that they're happy with, that they're, even if it's just identifying an area to start with, to move them a little bit closer to a happier place, a more successful place, a less afraid and less shameful place, I'll be so happy. So hopefully I'm on stages speaking for companies, sharing this message. Hopefully I have launched this online course that has <laughs> been, you know, in my project. It keep, it's in the, the parking lot section, which is like where we park projects that I can't get off the ground yet. Um, hopefully that's launched and that's helping more people. And hopefully I'm connecting deeper with my audience members, like by doing some sort of retreat. But I told you, like my event planning skills. I used to work for Tulsa Remote and I had to do event planning and shit, y'all. That was not moving me closer to the person I wanted to be. And it was not moving the organization's mission forward. I was terrible at it. <laughs> so maybe hopefully I can pay somebody to help me with that part of it. Um, but I really just want, I want to, I want to help people build lives that they're proud of. And I want to share this message that they don't necessarily have to go to an outside source. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with therapy. There's real trauma out here. Like go if you need to. Um, but I think for some people, all they need is just a little, a few more tools in their toolkit to realize like, Hey, I can actually, I'm actually in control of my life. I can make it something that I want to live and that I'm happy to live. And it's not going to be perfect, but I'm, in, I'm going to be getting better every single day. And these tools and this process has helped me do that. That would make me like really happy. And of course, if somebody referred to me as the Beyonce of the speaking role, <laughs> I would not. I wouldn't Listen, hate that either. Listen, we're, we're we're gonna start calling you that now. So we're gonna yeah. start that process now. Hopefully, hopefully you're so big a year from now, like you won't even answer my email or Facebook message about coming on the podcast. Like that's my dream for you. So be like, who is this, Jake and Matt? I don't even know who this people are. <laughs> Unfriend. Um, I would never. I would love to come back a year from now. I always enjoy talking to you and Chris. I don't know. I'm. So, I don't know who Matt Gleason is. Like that's an actual person. 
Yeah. I just don't know why I that I don't know why Chris is that person for me. <laughs> it's, 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 it listen, happens. I think I, th- I think we should spend a, lo- a good thirty minutes like breaking that down. Uh-huh. No, we shouldn't. Um, yeah, because the only person who will listen to that will be Matt. So, <laughs> so, so if how, people want to yeah. learn more, they're excited about this. How can they connect to you? How can they learn more and give you money? Yeah, so they can go to arieldavis.com. That's my website. You can also find me on Facebook at Ariel Has Questions, which I may be changing and shortening because it just seems a little long-winded. But right now, it's Ariel Has Questions. On Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, I'm just Ariel Davis. I'm I'm trying to figure out how to use that platform. Is anybody else confused about LinkedIn as a platform? Like, Mm -hmm. Yes. Where is the line? Yeah, people keep testing that line of like where... Because like it's supposed to be a sort of professional s- social network, and yet I feel like a lot of people just use the same posts they put on other things. And I'm like, I don't want this crap here. Like, <laughs> I come here to escape those things. Yeah. Um, First of all, organic reach on social media is just like makes you talk about imposter syndrome being validated. I'm like, I just suck at this. Like, <laughs> I just suck at connecting with people, even though that's all I want to do with my life. Like, I just suck at it in an online space, but. There are tools so you don't have to reinvent the world, but we can talk about that True. online. Listen, I, I had a meeting with somebody who is a friend of Chris's who didn't know Chris had a podcast until he brought it up like two years into their friendship. So, Chris, tell more people about our podcast. Who is this? What? Uh, Sarah. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, like Chris's only job is to show up. He doesn't yeah. have to do any other thing. I share posts. I like things. Yeah. He has a you very and your like mom, optimistic, like <laughs> positive voice. Like that's right. You're not nothing's wrong with your voice, Jesse. There's, there's nothing wrong wow. with your voice. <laughs> wow. There's nothing wrong. You heard with it here first, voice. voice. Uh, you heard it here first, people. People hate my voice, so <laughs> definitely not going to have an issue with that going forward. As I have to edit my own voice on a daily basis. <laughs> so thank you for that. I said there's nothing wrong with it. Chris just has a more like upbeat octave. Like I feel like you two are almost like, and I hate this analogy, good cop, bad cop. But like Chris is good cop. <laughs> You're a bad cop. Final question. Why do we still live here? <laughs> I mean, uh, I spite. Spite. Uh, like, like here's the thing. I don't want to let these people win. <laughs> at least I, I at least want to make it difficult for them. So that's, go, where, that's where I'm screaming. Listen, that's where I get my joy. Right. So, and I always have, I know I've like, seen you in the Facebook comic comments sections. Oh my God. Hell he antagonizes yeah. me whenever he gets an opportunity to antagonize mm-hmm. me. And I, I just, love it. Yeah. Listen, we have our, we have our little joke about beaches and yes. water pictures. As like, I said, Jews are not water people. We are people of the pool, um, <laughs> you know, but I'm, gl- I'm glad beaches relax you. They do they not do. relax me. They do help with that. Yeah anxiety and introspection i can contemplate my life and feel even if i come up with like nothing that's helpful just the fact that the ocean is there is just like it's fine like it's fine see i'm with I, that. I, I like to be at a beach i like to hear a beach i like to see a beach but i like to swim in a pool i like a place where i can do both that's that's what i like i like to to to, to I, relax I, at a beach and I then also go like to that. the pool we, resort yeah. and swim there Ariel, thank you for putting up with this for, you know, 50-ish minutes. Uh, you know, hearing my grating, horrible voice and Chris's euphoric, angelic, melodious. Angelic. I like angelic. Angelic. Yeah, Angelic's good. better. 
Mm-hmm. Um, all that. Um, <laughs> weird transition there. Uh, thank you. And um, I know that Risha's probably waiting for her laptop, so uh, we will let you go. But please follow her on all the social medias, except LinkedIn, because we don't know what LinkedIn's for. Thank you so much. Uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again before a year. So even though I like our yearly check-ins via mm-hmm. podcast. I do. Um, I do. I like them. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much again. Absolutely. So, so happy to be here. Thank you so much. And um, appreciate the opportunity to share this with people. Hopefully it's helpful. If you're like me, you might hear estate planning and go, ugh, gross. You might think to yourself, I'm not sure why I'd bother with that. Estate planning is only for the uber-rich. Tallgrass begs to differ. Tallgrass founding attorneys Laurel and Riley think everyone should have an estate plan. They know estate planning seems untouchable to a lot of folks, like something you have to do inside a stuffy law firm of Stuffy McLawyer Pants Esquire. But I promise you, Tallgrass is nothing like that. For one, they work out of their home so their clients can feel at home. They obsess, because they're nerds, over making clients feel like they belong and are supposed to be there. Also, their kids might make an appearance. They will take time to answer all of your questions, even the uncomfortable ones. They will work relentlessly to make sure your plan's exactly what you need to feel secure and at peace. So if you've been putting off planning for what's going to happen after you've gone, it's time for you to give Tallgrass a call at 918-770-8940 and start your plan today. Or visit their website at tallgrassestateplanning.com and schedule a free initial consultation. For free! It's right there on the website. And of course, there's more because this is a podcast ad. If you tell them you're a Pot for Good listener, they're going to take 25% off their service fees. Just tell them Pot for Good sent you. Stop thinking estate planning isn't for you and give Tallgrass a call today at 918-770-8940 or on their website, which I'm not going to read out to you again. It's in our show notes. Thank you, Tallgrass. Thank you all for listening to our podcast with Ariel. Uh, Please go check out her website, arieldavis.com, and look for her on the speaking circuit. And if you work for an organization that's having some problems asking the right questions, reach out to her. She's fantastic, even though she finds my voice to be grating and horrible. Uh, Please make sure to follow and like Pot for Good on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And of course, please subscribe and leave a review. As always, get done, Tulsa, Broken Arrow, get your shit together. Stay safe out there. <laughs>